0: Welcome to Episode 73 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Jackson Hole Marketplace, Jackson Hole's little community market on the south side of town. Please visit the slash JHM to learn more. Hello from Jackson Hole. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. Today's guest is Mike Jorgensen. Mike was raised right here in Wyoming and has spent most of his life in the hole, Jackson Hole. Note, I did say he has not grown up yet, because that has still not happened. Mike was one of the first people I met when I moved to Jackson Hole over 20 years ago, and unfortunately, we don't make enough time to see each other. Life happens when you have kids and just business. But when he asked to be a guest on this podcast, I was really honored. Mike has traveled around this state far more than most people I know. He has a deep appreciation for this state, which he calls home, and more importantly, a deep respect for the people who make the state what it is. Mike will share some great insight into what it means to be a Wyomingite and how we can all live full lives. Mikey, it's awesome that you... Got to connect with e- that. We got to connect with each other and get you in here for an interview at the Jackson Hole Connection.
1: Well, thank. You. I'm excited to be here. It's. It, we have a long history and it's cool to see where this all occurs now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: in the basement. In the basement. That's where I have been uh, sequestered to is yeah. the basement. Yeah, that's, that,
1: that's well. I, I know it's not an uncommon feeling that I've I, I've been there as well. You've been me. in the basement too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do go back a few years, summer of 1999. Yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, And so tell me the original connection to you and Jackson Hole. So I was
1: born in uh, Brookings, South Dakota mm-hmm. in 1970, March 1st, 1970. And, and both my parents, <clears throat> excuse me, were from South Dakota. Uh, my mom from Mitchell, my dad from Pierre, and they found their way to Wyoming as my dad went to law school in Laramie. So that was what brought them after they had both uh, finished school in South Dakota and gotten married out to to Wyoming. And he spent his, uh, whatever it was, three years and graduated from University of Wyoming College of Law. And then, yeah, so after law school, they, they made their way back to, South Dakota. He practiced law for a couple of years in Brookings, and then moved to Jackson, where he's you know he's been here for most of that time. A couple of uh, three three to four year stint in Cheyenne, which is where I went to high school, mm-hmm. Cheyenne Central. But yeah, that that's how I initially got here and was raised here for most of, most of my time, and it's home. We moved back in, as you mentioned. Uh, our meeting in 1999, you and I—I um, I had come back from Laramie from going to school there in about '96, and met Liz when I right when I met you, my wife Liz, who uh, is still here with me. <laughs> you guys have been married how many years now? We have—we got married in in uh, 2002. Nice, September of 2002.
0: So, I remember the wedding. Yeah, I remember the party. Yeah, well, some of what I can remember.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was—it was fun. It was it was a good it was a good time.
0: Thank you for sharing that. You said something really profound to me. Your love and your dad's love for Wyoming. yeah, where do you think that comes from? I
1: think it uh, stems in a probably a number of places, but the the natural resource and beauty of of Wyoming as you know in a macro sense and certainly, Our little corner up here, you know, is just unlike anywhere else in the world. And he definitely instilled that sense of place, both he and my mom, since I was, as far as I can remember, both my brother, Chris and I. So I think the, you know, just how unbelievably unique Wyoming is in Jackson Hole and and the natural resource and... Wildlife elements and just the, the, you know, Yellowstone and and the Serengeti of really the lower 48 of the U.S. It's it's just there is nowhere like it. And so that is a big part of it. And then, you know, coupled with that, for me, has always been the uniqueness of the people in Wyoming. It's obviously a a pretty large state geographically, but, you know, we're we're the least populated state in the Union
0: um, takes forty five minutes to go to the grocery store. Takes a, yeah, <laughs> and that's not because there's but uh, bumper to bumper traffic. That's right. That's <laughs> right.
1: And you know, I mean, growing up, it's, it's everywhere. It seems is, it, with the exception of maybe you know somewhere like Pine Dale or Star Valley. It's every like you're going when you're going traveling as a young athlete. You're going four or five hours or six, you know, to play games and all of that stuff and just the hardiness of I think of the people of Wyoming and the and largely. The folks that live in this state, uh, I feel, have that same pride of, you know, the uniqueness of our state, the people, the fact that, you know, there's certain elements that piggyback on that. For instance, you know, we have one four-year school state in the whole, in in our whole state of Wyoming. And so everything is focused on that, you know, and the pride within the scholastics, the, the athletic departments. The fact you know, I can remember getting in the car to go to a football game or a basketball games in the dead of winter across the state, and uh, it's no some, big deal. Yeah, sometimes it was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just all of all of the that stuff. People in Wyoming just love the state, and that's you know that's probably true of a lot of states. But I think there's a uniqueness here um, and a pride that is just a little bit different.
0: Well said. Well said. And you were now in and have been for quite some time in, in the world of real estate. You're a real estate b- broker. I am. And you had a unique niche at one point. I, I don't know if you still do this, but you were selling ranches. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, so when I left the, the hospitality world, which obviously where you and I had met in 99 um, and, and sort of shifted gears, which would have been the... Right at the end of 2006, um, I started to work with a company out of Bozeman, which was a connection from a friend that I'd grown up with here that had, that had been with this company that's called Fay Ranches out of Bozeman for, at that time, he'd been doing that about 12 or 14 years and had, we'd always talked about it'd be great to open a Jackson branch, we have, you know, the same passion for outdoor pursuits and land and and all that that offers. And so and long story short, that's what I did. I, I moved into uh, the position of running the Jackson and, and sort of Wyoming component of Fay Ranches for, I did that for about, let's see, when did I, I shifted just to local real estate in, in, in 2013. So I did that for six or seven years. hmm and again, saw what was cool. Many things were were cool about that job, but uh, in that niche, as you as you said, the places you get to see is, and so, you know, I really felt like he, some of the most historic parts of Wyoming, some of the some of these ranches that have been homesteaded in in the same family, maybe for, you know, one family for the entire ownership entity and just the resource that they encompass and and the operation of some of those, you know, truly historic operating ranches that have been a part of Wyoming's history forever. Um, It was awesome. and
0: I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm just so excited to hear more because... I mean, when you were in high school, you spent some time on the road traveling. And like you said, your parents would say, okay, let's go to a football game this weekend. And it's, you know, six and a half, seven, depending on the weather, Mm -hmm. hour drive down (laughs) to Laramie. But you put some miles in the car doing that. And you saw more than just what Wyoming is known for. Yellowstone, Grand Teton National Park, or, um, you know, uh, Devil's Tower. Mm -hmm. And you got to meet some people who you're talking about not just one generation, but probably what, four or five generations mm. of some of these ra- historic ranches. Yeah.
1: In some cases, for sure. Yeah.
0: What are some of the stories and play? Give me one story in one place that you can share of how this family homesteaded a, a ranch and they were able to get it to survive in, in a particular community. Yeah.
1: I'll give you a scenario yeah without going specifically to the a family but okay um, a, a lot of the West and certainly Wyoming too was anish you know the, the railroad was what forged a lot of the Western movement right and there were people that left the East Coast or, or other parts of the country for you know for the for the opportunity to see the great expanse you know and and get out of of where they were and, and maybe look at doing something different like raising cattle you know and, and and what was interesting with with some of the larger holdings that you would tour or run into and in some of these you know bigger operations is, is most of them didn't seem to start as that giant operation you know they they started in smaller components and things were added and then the next generation continued that and maybe add a little bit more and as like anything time goes on you know better practices are figured out and things you know everything evolves and some of these families that was what they loved and that's what they did and you know the next generation would continue with that process another interesting part of of that experience was also you, you know you would get to a point with some of these families where you might have three or four siblings that had varying perspectives on on what to do going forward and, you know three of them are could care less mm-hmm. one wants to and when you have an asset that you know could be worth a very very significant amount of money you know how they then move on to what are we going to do with it that was that there were some interesting experiences in in that regard family uh, planning family planning family disputes on what should be done when how you know it it was one thing i learned through that through that through my ranch you know selling days is you know i i used to look at the ranching process as what a great way to to live of maybe a simpler life and in some you know, it's like anything in some capacities i think it was but you know some of this some of these were huge businesses with huge operating expenses and big revenue and you know, um, s- some of the some sometimes it wasn't an easy situation for the family, mm-hmm. um, sure. and where to go from from where they'd been.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And remoteness. How far away from a core, you know, a town core were some of these places? Some,
1: you know, some weren't. Some weren't terribly far. Some had multiple components to the operation, and so maybe the ranch headquarters was close. But some were, you know, I had a ranch. Uh, that I marketed for a while that was outside of the, probably the closest town was Wheatland, you know, 45 minutes minimum to mm-hmm. get to get to a town core. La- really large ranch, you know, 27,000 acres. And once sort of when you get there, you're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially depending on the time of the year.
0: Don't forget the milk. Right. <laughs> Don't forget the milk or the <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> I'm sure they needed a little bit of bourbon to yeah. make it through some times yep. there. Yep. What a phenomenal experience! Because you got to see more of Wyoming than most people do, and doing and doing that,
1: I think so. Um, you know, and, and I'd seen a lot of Wyoming. I th- I thought and and I had just with my you know with my upbringing and, and traveling, but uh, yeah, I I saw things that I just places that were so unbelievable that You just couldn't, just couldn't imagine.
0: What are two places if somebody was to come to Wyoming that's not as well known that you're like, you know, they should just really go to this place to take a look at it. Like a region of the yeah, state, an area, a town.
1: Uh, I mean, I love, you know, I love the the sort of the border of the Black Hills up and yeah. up towards you know on the border of South Dakota so yeah. up, through, up past but through Lusk and as you get you know up, up into the the border of the two states there that that's just an insanely gorgeous country um, I love the Saratoga Valley you know in, in the snowy range uh, I spent a lot of time in that area even in, in school and then after when I did you know did get into the ranching sales world some very Beautiful ranches that that I worked on there. It's it's, it's different. You know, the rest of the state has that potential, whereas up here in our northwest corner, we we don't. You know, a large a large chunk of land, as you kind of know around here, could be a hundred acres. Um, you know, the ranch. A lot of the ranches, especially the big operating properties, you know, were twenty 000 to eighty thousand acres, and so that that's a unique thing to see just the scope of it right first and then you know the way something that large how they operate it and it's fascinating i mean it's 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 a, it's a really cool process like you said it's a business it's yeah it's a big
0: business and those folks have to have a plan in place to operate that business yep. especially when you're covering how many thousands of acres did you say i mean
1: it could I think the biggest that I ever was part of in a transaction was on the deeded acreage maybe 35,000. Jeez. But so much, you know, so much of Wyoming is it is what I, is called checkerboarded. You uh-huh. know, so the property could be x number of deeded, let's say 35,000 acres, and but then they have, you know, leases in various forms, BLM or state land or whatever. That could be another, you know, 50 or 60,000. Jeez. So, uh, those, those people that manage those properties and, you know, work on them, they t- talk, what was, um, what was one of the coolest things are those folks know everything about that land. Yeah, I bet they do. And, you know, especially the, the ones that had been doing it on the same property for a long time. And, and, uh, you know, they just, they know where cows might be getting might in the winter where they, where they have lost them in the past and how to try to avoid that or, Better. What What are the best places to put new stock water? It resources. You know, uh, it just the the common sense approach to really intricate tasks for an operation of some of those sizes. Smart people,
0: tough too. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were talking about the the people that make up this community and people that make up Wyoming why is why is that important to you
1: well I think it's it it, you know getting sort of going back to our initial break into this discussion uh, it's part of what makes Wyoming so special to me Mm -hmm. Um, and there are great people all over the the place obviously but the sense of community here the you know I'm probably biased a little bit in the in, in the sense that I've been here for you know most of my formative lifetime um and so i am lucky that i still have you know friends that I, that i lived across the street from in 1975 that i get to still see and now we have daughters that are in the same grade you know i mean the f- the full circle with some of this stuff I, it does not go un- unnoticed and how, luck, how lucky that i am to still you know experience that and, and you know, lifetime of friendship with some of these folks, and um, and you know, Jackson is a unique spot in again a lot of ways. But um, talk about a diverse section, cross section of of people in terms of what they do. You know what what has formed their belief systems. I run into uh, and have met and continue to meet, and I'm fortunate to you know involved with amazing people here Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah you know and and that could be from you know somebody that started a tight it could be a titan of industry it could be someone that has created the most amazing nonprofit that you didn't ever knew existed but the impact that that person is having on the world is just you know blows my mind so i i think places like this um inherently to some extent attract great people, great people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, And,
0: and and I think what's cool is I think I live probably about three or four houses mm -hmm. down from where you grew up. You you do. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. In fact, you're one, yeah, you're like
1: three, three houses down on the other side of the street. Yeah. And my son has a birthday brother that lives there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, to that point, so right across the street, I'm sure you know, the Chapman's. Yeah right so sean and and and, uh who was a year older than me but you know i my uh nine-year-old lucy is in um jackson youth basketball Uh so two nights ago we're at one of her practice slash games you know they're it's it's not too org, it's it's well run it's Uh but it's kind of amoeba basketball still but guess who runs that sean sean's wife so there's sean running the scoreboard because she wasn't you know that's you know that hit me yeah like there's my daughter running around with his daughter he's running the scoreboard in Jackson you know 40 years after we used to play kickball in his front yard three doors from where you live that I'm sitting here with now yeah (laughs) I love that that that's a that small town component for all the change that's occurred here there's still that stuff that's awesome yeah
0: was it easy to get into some trouble when you were growing up here I mean, not like, I think probably just like anywhere else. Good trouble. Yeah,
1: for the most part. You know, we, the, the the greatest thing here as a young kid was you just walked out the door mm-hmm. and came back at the dinner bell. You know, <laughs> Snow King was one of our babysitters. And in the, in the wintertime, we'd either walk because it's a few blocks or get dropped off in the morning at Snow King and then – when the lifts closed, you either got picked up or you walked home. Um, in the summer, you know, Flat Creek right through town and the Carnes Meadow was a bit, that was a big spot because it, it it was it was just wide open mm-hmm. playground for all of us. You could fish. You could. You know, I think the trouble that we largely would get into would be it was you know fairly benign starting a fire when we sh- someplace we shouldn't. Um, you know uh, climbing something that was clearly not a good idea and somebody was going to get hurt and usually did. I, I don't think we had the, the same challenges that maybe the, that, a, some, some kid in a city would, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I never had that experience, but you, it was, it was exploration for the most part. And, and, you know, it was a different time, obviously get on your bike eight in the morning, you know, we didn't have helmets. Lots of cool jumps. I think a
0: helmet was invented for a <laughs> bicycle back then. Uh, and you yeah, know,
1: and and you in the it was strength in numbers for the kids, but I think also the parents. Uh huh. And yeah, everybody pretty much knew everybody, and everybody looked out for everybody's kids. And if you know, if someone needed to be talked to, or if it, things need to be that needed to be dealt with, they were. So to, back to your question, I, we we got in a little bit of trouble, but you know, nothing. Nothing that I recall. Nothing to put you in jail. Yeah. My, I, maybe my mom would beg to differ. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember growing up in the small town of Mississippi, and uh, we started a little fire with the bottle rockets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah
1: things happen. Yeah. for some uh, The fire, and I forget, I think it was up on, st- right on the base of Snow King, or, you know. Up kind of on Pine Drive where Mike Overcast lived. I I re I, just, uh, I recall one fire experience there that didn't get out of hand, but I think was pretty close. Mm-hmm. That resonates. <laughs> we got <laughs> that one. We we you know we got in a little bit of trouble for that. Like that could have been a bad thing. It but yeah, yeah. What else would you do in Mississippi?
0: Um, I thankfully fully statute of limitations have already you know, <laughs> gone by and we had a housekeeper. She would watch us as well when my parents were working. Her name was Florida Jones. And she always had the saying, a hard head makes a soft tail. Mm-hmm. Meaning if you don't listen, you're going to get whooped as she would call it. Yeah. And she'd say, go cut me a switch. So you'd have to go cut your own switch with Florida Jones. Yeah. And I remember my brother, sister, and I went to go visit her. And my brother said, Florida, who is the worst one? She looks over and points to me and says, Stefan. (laughs) Really? Great. Awesome. I don't remember that, but okay. Um, I wonder, why, um, why do you think I wonder um, probably because she had to switch me more than yeah. the other ones <laughs> you just tested
1: you tested it more
0: and my sister was so young she was like her little baby yeah. So know uh, my sister's six years younger than me got it so yeah. Amanda didn't get switched yeah, yeah. Amanda got cuddled cuddled right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> to where I got switched if, yeah. if,
1: if if Amanda did something warranting a switch it was probably
0: your fault it probably was yeah, yeah. that's I usually get it. the case when you have a younger sister <laughs> yep well <laughs> We're going to take a quick break so we can get a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Jackson Hole Marketplace, the little shop south of town with a huge heart. The right place in Jackson Hole to stop for a hot breakfast and coffee or affordable lunch and beverage. Serving house-made food prepared fresh during the week. Looking for a special Jackson Hole gift to send to someone in town or through the mail? No problem. Jackson Hole Marketplace creates custom gift packages ready to ship or deliver. Learn more today at the Jackson Hole Connection dot com slash JHM. So, Mike, welcome back. Um, we were talking a little bit about me growing up in Mississippi, but more importantly, you growing up here in Jackson, Wyoming. Um, so, growing up here, they, tourism was a big part of the community back then as well I mean that's what it was mm-hmm. and what Labor Day after Labor Day what was this town like dead yeah yeah <laughs> I mean
1: th- th- you know and I think that's the biggest m- one of the biggest changes that is so clear because you're right from from what you started with I mean that parks had a, had a, have always been an enormous draw for tourism and it, but that was true when I was little it was just such a smaller season, like you're like, kind of like you're getting at. Um, so the summers were always busy, you know. And I don't know, I can't recall. I don't think they were like they are now, you know, the, the amount of people. But the town was smaller also. Sure. Um, but I certainly always recall summers, just you know, that our little town square area and the in the flow of traffic through it from, you know, middle of June through. Middle of August is just being busy, and uh, but you're but you're right. You know, once once Labor Day hit or shortly thereafter, it just whew, it
0: was quiet. So you you probably started skiing what late seventies, early eighties. I started. Yeah, probably. Let's see. I probably started in like seventy five. What was the high tech gear then? Gear then, oh, um, <laughs> which is considered super low tech now, probably. You know.
1: I just, re- you know, I remember a lot of Rosignol, Uh-huh. Bill, you know, Bill Briggs was, who t- initially taught us how to ski. He was he was running, he, he was the skiing, the, you know, he ran the ski program. And then I remember, so probably into the later 70s, early 80s, there was a ski club, ski racing club that was really fun for all of us called Fast Eddie's. Uh-huh. And so Eddie, I forget God, what was Eddie's last name I should know that, but uh, he he was awesome, like the quintessential late '70s, early '80s skier, tall, good-looking guy, the Magnum Pi mustache, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he he had this he ran this ski ski racing club called Fast Eddie's, and it was it was so it was awesome. I still I, I think I came across a couple of those old trophies, moving stuff a couple of years ago for my mom. Um, so the winter, I d- don't recall being nearly as busy as it is now, but the resort was so much smaller. Yeah, um, I, being a town kid, especially early on, in the early, you know, my, let's say seventy six to eighty, one or two, probably spent more, much more time at Snoking. and then as we started, and then in the the um, Jacksonville Ski Club, which I started racing with, you know, the, we we would spend a little more time out there but it was hard, you know it wasn't as easy to get around <laughs> for for your parents that worked and i mean after school again snow king was a babysitter and it was just simple on the weekends it, being a town kid until we got a little older mm-hmm. to that's where you went yeah so yeah tourism uh ha- has always been obviously a, a big the, the, one of the big boons here
0: yeah yeah it's helped this community grow mm-hmm. Im- immensely yeah and being in the business that you're in now that you're more in the local real estate business what do you attribute your success in that industry to cuz you're one of how many real estate agents registered real estate agents well, in this town
1: i think what is it now i mean it ebbs and flows a little bit right but i think 400 450 maybe a lot right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, you know, it's a valuable market, mm-hmm. right? But it's, you know, there, there are a lot, I always, I tell people there are a lot of wolves feeding off, a, you know, the one carcass for yeah. sure. Um, it's like anything, Stefan, you, you know, part of why you've been so successful, you build relationships and it takes time. But if, if you can continue to build relationships and build a referral base and, um, you know, that starts to, To compound a little bit more the longer you go and um, the majority of of my business definitely is referral based like most I think most realtors Um, but it's a relationship business absolutely Mm -hmm. it you you know you need to build them and uh, maintain them
0: you I like what you said it compounds because to be successful in life it doesn't happen overnight yeah it's all about that compounding yep. and it's just like interest, compounding interest, what it does for you. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> same thing with building relationships. Yeah. Well,
1: and don't you think, I mean, it's just, it It really is true of almost any business. It, it, you, it, you, you, you've got to build them to begin with and build trust. Sure. And then that, you know, that feeds off itself. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it, th- if you're doing it the way you should be. Um, and it takes, you're right. It takes time. You know, I think, I learned switching gears when I did into this, this career, uh, that it would take some time and it, it certainly did. Yeah. You know, it, it took, it took some time.
0: The overnight, the 20 year overnight success. No,
1: no, yeah. <laughs> no,
0: every, you know, every, it, it's,
1: it's a, it's, it's a challenging business. I, I, I like it. I enjoy it. But, um, the, the misnomer a little bit that you just, you know, show up and sell mm-hmm. a house and then they pay you a bunch of money isn't necessarily the way it
0: goes. No, it's it's not as easy as some people think. Mm-hmm. Um, so you being a, a UW grad and always having that connection of playing sports, when you're traveling the state now, because you still go to games, mm-hmm. how many people do you see that you have grown up with? So. You grew up going competing against people, and then you go to UW. Do you see people there when you're going to college? And then you start traveling the state to sell, you know, to be a realtor for ranches. And now you're going back to UW. Are you still seeing some of those people in those circles that, say, you played basketball against or you were skiing against or that you went to UW with? Mm-hmm. Um, a little
1: bit less now than... Certainly, in when we were in Laramie at school, uh-huh. you you saw a lot of those folks, and you and I and you do still. You know, homecoming you'll see some some people m- more. I would say people that you know I went to college with, and we were in sort of the f- same friend circle. But you'll you know you'll see, for instance, one of the Gosar boys here. In, you know, at some point they were in Pinedale. Um, good athletes, you'll see somebody from Torrington that you, you know, played against for, you know, for years when you were growing up and go, oh, there's, there's, you know, there's, wow. And, and you'll get a, you know, brings back a flood of memories of all that stuff.
0: Sure. Yeah. that I think that's what's cool and really unique about the state. And, and it goes back to what you had said earlier in, in the show, that you're always going to see somebody that you know. Around this place. Um, I've,
1: yeah, I think, you know, and it goes back to what we were discussing. It's, uh, you know, with 600,000 people mm-hmm. or whatever it is now, it's not you know, close to that. That's that is that's a unique thing. And that's, again, like to your point, why you continually, it's easier to see someone you know than, mm-hmm. than even, <laughs> California.
0: Even though the state is as spread out as it is, mm-hmm. that it takes seven, eight hours to get to the capital. Yeah or 6-7 hours to get to where the university is. Yeah. It's it's still there. Why did they put the university in Laramie? You should know this. History. I should know. <laughs> what I want
1: I mean again the railroad, the you know the UP path uh-huh. I think is is probably the is it's the answer I'm going to go with. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But I think that's it, it's certainly one of the answers. You know, it just the the the, the path of the UP is where these you know cheyenne is a hub denver obviously Mm -hmm. cheyenne and then laramie and across you go to
0: go west yeah that's where you see a lot of the towns it were they grew up from my understanding is it's where they built water stops Mm -hmm. is kind of where the towns grew up Mm -hmm. because traveling across the state of wyoming was not an easy travel for the train right it's it's not as though it's going across kansas just flat or even like
1: or smaller s- geographical state. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Um, so it was quite a challenge for that train. So they built these water stops, and then that's where the communities would start building and growing. And, and you can see it when you're on I 80 now. Yeah.
1: For sure. Which
0: is a monster beast of its own, I 80. <laughs> um, I've had
1: the, the worst driving experiences without question on that road.
0: Have you been stuck in some storms and all right, we we got to pull over. We're staying in this small town tonight because we're not going any further. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Rollins usually, sometimes Rock Springs. But, you know, going back and forth from here in Laramie Mm -hmm. in the school, you were bound to get beat up every winter at some point. Uh And, I mean, you've experienced it when you couple – You know, if it's snowing and it's icy and then the wind, you know, the wind is the kicker. Yeah. You you can't see.
0: Uh. (laughs) Well, we know it because we don't get trucks in. We don't get deliveries in. Uh, Absolutely. Like right before Thanksgiving, we didn't – we are supposed to get a truck in, say, on Tuesday. We didn't get it in until Friday. Yeah. And it's because the interstate shut down. Yeah. You got to make sure you got stuff, whether it's in your house on the shelves or – wherever you know in your store on the shelves
1: because. yeah well and we've all, you know we've all look, I have and I'm sure most of us have seen you, you know, know i80 speckled with semis just blown over yeah <laughs> that there, there you go mm-hmm. you know that that is a it's a tough road
0: the the wind cautions is because no trailer traffic because they will get blown over right yeah which seems wild to you know really conceptualize to think that a semi-truck I know. is going to get blown over. Yep. But those wind gusts are just That's massive. Huge. Yeah. Which makes the state not for everybody.
1: No question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and,
0: and, and especially a,
1: a large majority of the rest of the state has a different wind level than a lot of places.
0: What do you hope, what do you and Liz hope that um, your girls – will learn and appreciate about growing up here and not just Jackson, but in the state of Wyoming? A great question. I, I I think
1: what I would hope in, in what I am seeing, uh, first of all, I, you know, my, my, uh, a goal would be for them to, to grow up here and through high school, you know, the, the, the crew that they have, the the friends that they've been with from day one, all of them born here. To me, that's a that's such a cool and important thing to to have have that experience if you can to just go you know you go through your your life growing up with the same people mm-hmm. and that can be your best friend Stella Rooks for you know for my twelve year old Sayer but it's also you know someone maybe that you don't hang out with all the time or all, all that much but you've st- you've known that person since kindergarten that to me is a big big cool thing um, and I think that is also that also translates to uh, the state and it's all the attributes you and I have discussed here today. It's not for everyone. It's kind of a different place. Mm -hmm. It's big and burly and can be nasty, but you know, the people that decide to reside here, whether it's in Jackson or in, you know, Moorcroft there's something that they love about Wyoming. In the in the macro of all that stuff, um, and the the pride here, the pride of our people for the state and what's important, I hope that they continue to to get that and take that with them as, as an important factor of growing up here.
0: What values do you and Liz instill in your girls that that are connected to like the Wyoming values?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, kindness, mm-hmm. respect, hard work humbleness, um, love for sure. Yeah. I don't know. That's good. I could keep, you know, I could keep going, I guess, but the the big ones, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. be, be good to people. Have a, have a, have a kind heart, be compassionate, you know, respect that everybody's different mm-hmm. and that's okay. And you know, go out and earn and, and make happen what you want to in, in the things you can control. So do your best. And like the end, the end of the day, if you, if, if you follow most of that, I think at least our, our girls believe, then yeah, you, you're doing the best you can. Sure. Right?
0: Yeah. Good for you guys. That's awesome. What do you think? What, what would you what would you say to your sons? Oh, what would I say to my boys? Um, don't pee on your brother's leg. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, boys bring in a whole nother component, don't they?
0: Oh, man, do they. Um, no, you can't hit your brother with that. Um it, I think you hit them a lot of them mm-hmm. um, that Laura and I talk about. It's they need to know how to communicate. Mm-hmm. That's a good one with yep. each other and other people. But like you said, the love and it, it's really sweet. Our our oldest one, he's sitting down to eating dinner and he'll look at you whether it's uh, that I made dinner or Laura made dinner and he'll say, "Thank you for making dinner." Yeah, and we don't even ask him. Yeah, or. The youngest one, he gets up out of his chair, which is just want to strangle him or tie him down. (laughs) Right. But he's getting up out of the chair because he wants to give you a hug. Mm -hmm. And those are the traits that I want to make sure that we always um, embrace, but always as well fuel for the kids Mm -hmm. to say, yeah, you – we want you to continue giving hugs to people Mm -hmm. and to understand that you can give somebody appreciation and thanks without asking for it and um, his teachers tell us about how kind-hearted our oldest one is because he's in kindergarten he goes he either can go do something when he finishes work or he can go help somebody and he almost always goes to help somebody else finish and that says a lot that he wants to be with other people and help and it shows that compassion and that kindness and that love, all those traits that you just said about for your girls. And that's, that's what we want. And just hope that the influences are there, which lead them into the, down the right path. And they make good decisions. We'll all make wrong decisions. We'll all fail at something, but we learn from it. Mm -hmm. We teach them how to rebound and Get back up on that horse, yep, and ride again. And you know, that's the saying as it goes here in Wyoming is cowboy up. That's right. And it's not all easy. No, but we got to do it.
1: No, and I think that's well. One thing that's that's so that I can relate to is because Sarah, our twelve-year-old, is just like Louis. Louis is the oldest. Yeah, yeah. Um, she every every after every meal, whether we made it or out. Thank you for dinner. You know, wow. and I. It just yeah, it it still amazes Liz and I. We'll be like, mm-hmm. "Thank you're welcome, babe." You know, mm-hmm. and but just the at at a at a, at the age of twelve, to just have a baseline desire to just say that mm-hmm. is awesome. And I I agree. It, it's such an interesting process to raise kids, and it's the greatest blessing. I mean, it's just unreal. But you said something right there that I. I think is, is really it in a nutshell. Try to provide, you know, that quiver of the big tools, lo- all the things we just talked about. And then, you know, you hope that their understanding of what that means and how they live their life will, uh, well, you know, get them through the mistakes they're going to make in the hard
0: times. Yeah. So true. So true. Mike, this has been spectacular. Yeah. I'm glad we got to reconnect I know. because we do see each other around town, but
1: Certainly haven't been able to sit down for 40 minutes and talk, you know, like this. It's been cool.
0: It has been. If people wanted to reach out and connect with you, what is an email address that they can reach you with?
1: Uh, they could reach me at my, probably the easy, the best email, which is always in use is Michael. So M I C H A E L dot Jorgensen, which is S O N. Unlike the, uh, engineers that have been here just as long as we have. Um, So Michael Jorgensen. Jorgensen at icloud. Cool.
0: That's spectacular. Well, we both got to run because we have to go pick we up kids. Have to go pick up kids. <laughs> <laughs> have a great evening. Thank you for being here. Yeah. And we'll see you soon.
1: Yeah. Thank you for for doing this. First of all, it's it's a really cool. Thing that you do for the community and and, and what the ones that i've listened to quite a few of them just the perspective again this it's part of what makes this place cool yeah and and hearing you know so many different amazing smart compassionate people talk with you is go well, keep it going i think it's a great thing for for the community
0: i'll do that thanks mike you're welcome thank you to learn more about mike and his life here in wyoming please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com episode number seventy-three. And because you've enjoyed this podcast so much, please share it with some of your friends and coworkers, which may be easily done by just hitting that share button on your phone, mobile device, computer. Remember, sharing is caring. And I could not create this podcast without the support of my wife, Laura, my boys, Lewis and William, my editor, Michael Mori, musical director, Luke Taylor, and marketing guru, Tana Hoffman. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.